I welcome you to the Living Word, the radio broadcast ministry of Living Word Church. I'm Sarah Jala Emanuel. I'm the minister of Living Word Church. We're still on the subject of Christianity because in the past uh, few weeks I have been talking about Christianity. What is Christianity? What is expected of us? What is Christianity all about? Is it just another faith? And I do believe I have established the fact that it is not just another one of the faiths of the world that you can select or choose. It is the way that the God of all creation, the God who created the heavens, the earth, and all of life in heaven on earth and beneath the earth, has established, as commanded us to walk in. Now, he came down himself in the person of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to show us the way and to tell us of what is to come for those of us who walk that way and the people who refuse to walk that way. And of course, this is what Christianity is. It is the way of life ordained by the sovereign God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And now you cannot walk apart from Christ Jesus because he is the son of God given for us the only begotten Son of God. The rest of us uh, who come to Christ are adopted sons of God. But Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He was with God from the beginning. The Bible says to us in the first chapter of, of the uh, Gospel according to John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we're told in that verse that nothing is in existence that wasn't made through him. Because he himself made all things. And there is nothing in existence that was not made by him. So this is God himself, established himself amongst us as a man. His ministry only lasted three years, in which he trained up disciples to continue the work. Now, at his departure from, his world, just from the world, just before his ascension, Jesus gave the command to go into the world and preach the gospel to all nations to all peoples, to all of creation. He said, obeying them to, um, teaching them to obey everything I have taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and surely I will be with you to the end, to the end of days, meaning until his second return. Now, as I've uh, said earlier, you may choose not to serve Christ. You may choose not to come to Christ. You may even decide you do not need God in your life. And you may decide other faiths are more convenient. But whatever it is, that does not diminish the truth. It doesn't matter to God whether you acknowledge his existence or not. You may, you may be a staunch uh, Darwinian, you know, following the um, Darwin theory, the unproven insane and absurd theory of the creation of life and the earth and um, you may be you know a, a Scientologist who and believe that you in yourself within yourself you're a god and all such ridiculous notions but whatever you believe does not diminish the truth of God God is sovereign God is God almighty there is no other now it's up to you whether or not you come to Jesus now for salvation or you choose to do it your own way and carry on regardless because you don't believe in, you know, hell and, and such. And um, interestingly enough, what I find is people who say they do not believe in hell do actually believe in paradise. Okay. And uh, they believe there's nothing to keep them from 
paradise because they've been good and you know they measure themselves against themselves and the thing they're good as far as people go but you know what the word of god says god almighty says that there is not one that is good there is not one that is righteous not even one so believers today in christ jesus we are righteous but not because of the good things we do or because we're now perfect because we're born again we're not we're never going to be made perfect in this present world we will become perfect when we leave this world and when we are now clothed with it immortality, when we are totally, when we're in the presence of the Lord, then we will be a totally new creation in that way. And that is when we're going to be made perfect, when we have seen the Lord face to face. But as, as long as we live in this corrupt world, we cannot be. But the glory of the cross of Christ is that when Jesus hung on that cry, uh, cross at Calvary, He took on our sins upon himself. And in exchange, God imputed to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we are called righteous. The the believers today are righteous servants of God. And we are righteous not because of our activities, like I said, because we could never do enough. We can never do anything near enough, you know, sacrificing for our own sins, let alone qualifying us as righteous in the sight of God. God says the best of the righteousness of man is as filthy rags in his presence. And so the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. So I am righteous now because of Christ Jesus, because he exchanged my fallen state for fallen nature. He took on the condemnation that I deserved the punishment that I deserved, the judgment that I deserved, Jesus undertook for me. And in exchange, he blessed me with his righteousness. And that is my hope. And because of that, I know that I shall live eternally. I know I have salvation. I'm assured of my salvation. Not because of anything that I have done or do, but because of what Christ has done. That is Christianity. So it is not to be compared with any other faith or any other ideas in the world. But of course, like I said, you are free to choose whatever faith you want or whatever ideas you would subscribe to. But the trouble is, if you do not, if Jesus is not your savior whilst you're in the world, then when you do die one day, and that is inevitable, Every man is going to die from this world. When you do die, then you will have to stand before him as judge of your life. And you know what? Whether you like it or not, you will then bow before him. You may choose not to now, but it's better for you to do it voluntarily in this day. Because then you will be compelled to. And you know what? All the world systems that you have subscribed to, everything that you have believed in in the world, and everything that you, you, you have bought into, and all those who are leading you astray, all the false teachers, all the false religious leaders, I think they're all dead by now, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, the whole lot of them. Only Jesus lives. Now, none of them will be there to save you on that day. And none of them will be there to defend you on that day. And you know what? Satan, who is the leader of of every false teaching and every false notion and every false religion, he will not be there on that day to save you or to speak on your behalf. He will not be there. It will be just you. And there will be no excuses. Because you know what? Every Every man that passes through this earth will get a chance to listen to the gospel of Christ Jesus at least once. You would have heard it, even as you're listening to me now. So you will have no excuse. Ignorance will not be an excuse on that day. So now, 
I want to talk about the sacrificial aspect of Christianity. I've covered all sorts of areas so far, and I still have a few more teachings on this to do. But today we're going to talk about sacrificial faith, because even a lot of people who are professing Christians today are self-deluded. And what I mean by that is they believe they are saved, they think they're doing the right things for salvation, but they're not actually saved. Now, going to church is not assurance that you're saved. Uh, baptism, water baptism, is no assurance that you're saved. Speaking in tongues, which is um, called by the charismatic movement, Pentecostal movement, as a sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, which actually is not a sign that you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's not a sign. The Bible does not tell us it's a sign that you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. So it is not. But that is the notion. That's the idea. But even that, even that does not qualify you as saved. That is no assurance that you're saved. The fact that you pay all your tithes and all kinds of offerings and you sow all kinds of seeds into the kingdom, especially as you've been told today that um, it is um, you, you, you are sowing into the kingdom world and you're progressing the work of the kingdom, that does not mean you're saved. So exactly who is saved? Now, Jesus said himself in uh, chapter 3 of um, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, one of the uh, highest-ranking teachers of Israel in those days, uh, a rabbi, Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. John chapter 3, verse 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, many today believe they are born again because their church uh, is a born-again church. I don't know what that's supposed to mean for the life of me, it makes no sense. Because the word church itself is not the building, is not the denomination. The word church itself means the body of believers that are gathered together in worship and fellowship of Christ Jesus. That's what the church is. We're part of the body of Christ. So you cannot declare, this is a born-again church, and that's not a born-again church. What are you talking about? Because you cannot speak for anybody else. You can speak for yourself. You know whether you're born again or not. Because a lot of people are in church deceiving themselves and deceiving others. But who is truly born again? One who has repented of his sins. One who appreciates, who appreciates the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. One who understands the depth of his fallen nature before salvation or redemption by Christ. One who appreciates that of himself is a nothing and a total failure and he knows nothing that he was blind and he was poor and wretched and destined for death and judgment steeped in sin until he came to Christ and now having come to Christ and by faith received the forgiveness that Christ offers now such a person now follows Christ. That is what a Christian is. A disciple. One who follows. Now you follow Christ. Now I see lots of people there. Millions and millions of people nowadays. Following something or the other. In the name of church or Christianity. But certainly not following Christ. Many follow their pastors. Many follow all kinds of pastors, actually, because um, if you hear, like, um, at the moment, you know, um, this weekend in London, for instance, uh, Maurice Cerullo and, um, and a few of his friends are here promising to tell people 
that um, when Jesus is coming, because apparently he's had a private word from Christ to tell him when he's returning, a whole lot of balderdash that is not scriptural. Jesus is not going to appear to any person to say, I'm coming on the 17th of November. It's not going to happen. He has told us, we do not know, we will not know. He's going to come to us, return as a thief in the night. We should be prepared and keep our lamps burning at all times. He said, not even the angels in heaven knows. Not even Jesus, he said. He said, not even him as the son, as, um, the son of God, as incarnate at the time, knew. Obviously, he knows now because, I mean, he is God. But at that time, he would not tell us, he did not know. He said, it's not for us to worry about it, he said. In that, in that wise. We're not to worry about it in the sense that we need to know what date it is. So you can clean up your acts just before he turns up. No. But he said what we are to worry about is that we are prepared at any time. And you know what? There is nothing to prevent Jesus from returning any second now. He may well do. Because we don't know. So we're supposed to be prepared and keep our lamps burning. That means we must be filled with the Holy Spirit at all times. Now we do not invoke the Holy Spirit as people do. Slapping you about on the stage, knocking you down, telling you they're giving you the anointing. I don't know what that is all about, but that is not scriptural as well. Listen, any teachings that you are hearing that cannot be aligned with the Holy Word of God, the written and final Word of God in the Holy Bible is rubbish. It is a doctrine of demons and you better be careful. Because this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly what has led many people into the delusion that they are saved when they are not. So this same crowd who are filling up London over this weekend to see Maurice Cerullo and his other magicians are going to be the same crowd who are going to follow Benny Hinn next, year, next week when he turns up. They're going to be the, next, the same crowd who will follow what Kenneth Copeland or whoever else is coming to display any kind of magic from anywhere in the world because the, the, every continent is producing magicians nowadays. You know? And the same people are following them all around. So like I said, people are following all kinds of things but not Jesus Christ himself. Because if you are truly a follower of Christ Jesus, what are you restless about? What are you running around from crusade to crusade for? What's your desperation for breakthrough and for miracles and such? Let us consider exactly what following Christ means. It definitely, certainly, there's one thing I can, t- I can see from scripture. It definitely means abandoning everything else that you ever did and living the life of Christ. Nothing else matters now. All the things we're chasing after now don't matter anymore. All the personal ambitions you had now don't matter anymore. All that matters now is Jesus Christ. And your focus is on Christ and on Christ alone. Now the majority of teachings today that our television and our airwaves and, uh, uh, and, and the books we had got all over the place are centered on you. It's all about you. You. How you can get better. How you can get self-fulfillment. How you can achieve this. How you can become that. How you can have this. That's nonsense. The gospel of Christ Jesus is not about you. It's not about me. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We're not, even co- we're not even there subordinates. We don't come into the equation. It is a gospel of grace. It is a gospel of grace that says to us, when we come before him in repentance, we will be forgiven our sins, and now we will, we're supposed to live the life that Christ ordained for us before 
creation that we should live. That is a life that glorifies God. A life that brings glory to God. Jesus came to the world. He was God the Son to bring glory to the Father. He said it. Father, I have glorified you in the world. Now glorify me. So you see, when your life is all about you, when your focus is all about you, and so you're bombarded with all kinds of self-help teachings, you, 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 how you can do this, 37 ways to choose your wife, 47 ways to know the right husband, 57 ways to own your own business, 72 ways to own your own car, and all such nonsense, you, 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 you're being misled. And you don't know Christ. And you're not following Christ. Because if you follow Christ, all the things of the world, all the matters of the world, all the issues and the affairs of the world simply hold no water with you. This is what the pagans do. And you, being a follower of Christ and a child of God, no longer have any interest in these things. You've got no vested interest in this world. But today we've been taught in what is called church to have every vested interest in this world. This is your kingdom. You're establishing the world as your kingdom. You must have this. You must be famous. You must have good wealth. You must have good health. You must have this. You must have that. You must achieve this. You must be the top of that. You must be the best of this. What are you talking about? Where do you find all that in the Bible? Where do you find all that in the Bible? When the Bible categorically tells us, First John, the epistle of John now, the first epistle, chapter 1, verse 15 to 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and his desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Are you doing the world, the will of God? Or are you concerned, the cravings of sinful man, what you must have? You, need, you, you, you must have that financial breakthrough. You must have it. You must have it. Because when you have it, then you can have the, kind of right, the right kind of clothes. The, you can drive the right kind of cars. You can live in the right kind of mansion. You can, you, you can fund that private jet, as many are even being promised. You know, well, I mean, obviously, those who are teaching and leading these ridiculous crusades do have all those things, and they tell you it's their reward from God for obedience. I don't know what the obedience is. They're not even Christians. Sorry, you cannot be a Christian unless you're preaching the gospel of God, of Christ alone, unless you're subject to Christ alone, unless you're obedient to Christ alone. You are not a Christian. I don't care what qualifications you have. I don't care how far you study theology and what titles you have. God does not do titles or educational qualifications. He doesn't. How many did Jesus have? How many did the disciples have? So it's not about that. You have to be fully subjected to Christ. And unless you are, you are not born again. You're not born again. You cannot be born again because somebody told you you are. You're born again when that change occurs within you. When the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, if you truly turn to Christ in sincere repentance... And you, conf- and, and you confess your sins and you are baptized into the name of Christ. Now, I'm not saying baptism qualifies you for heaven. I said that earlier. But that is your public show. That is your public confession of Christ, of your sins, of your need for forgiveness. Now, when you do that, Christ in return then seals you with his mark. And that is the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus said, when you abide with me, 
you will obey my teachings. He said, and my father and I will come and we'll make our home with you. And you know what that means? That means you've got the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in you. That is when you're born again because you're a changed person. You no longer think as the world thinks. You no longer see as the world sees. You no longer hear as the world hears. You detach from this world. You understand now that you are an alien in this world and a citizen of the kingdom of God. And if you are an alien in this world, then what's your business trying to establish this and trying to establish that and achieve that in the world? All we really want to achieve in the world is glory, the glorification of God. (coughs) Is the glorification of God. That's what we want to achieve. And then you know your salvation is assured because you know that when the time comes, and Jesus raptures this church, you will be part of the rapture. And you will be an inhabitant of the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to create. When God once again is going to restore the perfect order of creation as he did in the very beginning. But no, the majority of what of so-called Christians today are busy loving themselves. They're busy chasing, concerning themselves about the cravings of sinful man, covetousness, which God forbids. There's no contentment being preached today. It's all about more. Don't stay where you are. God has bigger, better plans for you. Don't settle for what you've got. God wants you to have more. Really? My Bible says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And that if we have food and clothing we should be, and, and shelter, we should be content with that. They tell you no. The pagan world has this. How much more? You are the son of God. You are a small God yourself. And you are the kingdom children. So you should live the kingdom life. And so you should have more. You should have better. You're supposed to excel over and above everybody else. And so your eyes look at all those things. And you look at your preacher. In all of his designer garb. And you consider the Rolls Royce. And the great big cars he drives. And you consider his house. And all the mansions he says he has. And his jet for those who have gone that far. And you're lost after these things. And he tells you if they're good enough for me. Why are they good enough for you too? Because I've got them from God. Because of my faithfulness and obedience. So you just sow the seed. And then they rob you. Of the little you have. These guys don't care if it's your last savings. Or your last penny. They'll take it off of you. They've got no conscience. They don't care about you. And you put it all to them. Faithfully. Deceiving yourself that you're contributing to the forward, uh, to, 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 the, um, to, to the progression of the work of the kingdom. Of which kingdom? Certainly not the kingdom of Christ Jesus. Oh yes, because if you're helping anybody propagate their lies and their, and their delusions uh, and their heretical teachings, you are not serving Christ. You are not serving Christ. And you do all these things anyway because of what you want back from, from God. Because you believe that once you've done these things, as you're, you're being told, you're going to get a thousandfold back. Who told yourself? You're not going to get anything. You're just going to get poorer. The preacher's going to get richer. And you're going to be there chasing after. That's why you're never content with one of those pastors. You've got to run after each one of them that has a new promise for you. A true Christian stays loyal to his local church. Because there's nothing to make you restless. Because you know that a true Christian understands That his local church, where he serves in humility, in gratitude for the grace of God in which he lives. 
he understands that that church is part of the of the universal church of Christ, the entire church of Christ. So he has no business hopping from one church to the other because he is a part of the body. So he doesn't have to run after all kinds of preachers and all kinds of teachings and all kinds of crusades, running after miracles. You're never going to get them because Christ said so. He said this uncircumcised, unrepentant generation looking for, looking for miracles. Because the people who followed in them were asking for such. Not any different from now. Show us a miracle. Show us a sign. And Jesus said, none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the son of man will be the earth, the belly of the earth for three days. Now he's done that. He said, that's all we're going to get. So it's either you believe Christ for who he is and submit your life accordingly and live for him follow Christ, unless you do so, you're wasting your time. You're never going to get all those miracles and breakthroughs you've been told to, you're gonna get, that you've been promised. God is going to transfer the wealth of the, of the unbelieving world into the hands of the believers. Where do you get that in the Bible? What are you talking about? Do you know you can choose to believe the God of the Bible and so embrace the word of God as it is? Or you can choose the word of man, some eloquent man, because he's got millions, maybe, or hundreds and thousands of followers, and he's got all the, all, all the material things that, and wealth that you crave after. You can choose to take his word over and above the written word of God, but I tell you one thing, you're going to find failure at the end of it, because no man is big enough. No man is big enough to change the word of God. And God is not revealing anything new. So somebody tells you God has, Jesus has given him an appointment as to when he's coming to the world. Or Jesus has told him what he, want, he wants to make one million millionaires this, this month or this year. You're deceiving yourself. Also teachings are heretical. Also teachings are false. Also teachings are designed to rob you of the little that you have. And I wouldn't be investing that little in such foolishness if I were you. You know, because it's not going to be rewarded by God. You want to follow Christ. You've got to have sacrificial faith. Let's consider this. In, um, when Jesus called his disciples, when it, 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 at the beginning of his earthly ministry, when Jesus called his disciples, they didn't look back. I'll tell you what happened to the reluctant ones. Let's look in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62 there. As they were walking along the road, along the road a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, which you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So are you following Christ? Because there's no room for reluctance. There's no room for saying, uh, after I've achieved this, or Christ, let me do this first. Oh, you know what? I'm going to serve you, Lord. But first I need to make that million. I know a foolish guy like that. He died about six weeks ago. He was 37. But um, every time he was spoken to, he was a nephew of a friend of mine. And every time my friend, who was a Christian, said, Talk to, spoke to him about Christ. He would say, oh, and here you go again. I've told you. I will follow Christ. In fact, I've been given a vision. I've been given a prophetic word that I'm going to be a pastor. But first, I've got to make my first million. I've got to do it before I'm 40. I've got to do it before I'm 40. Don't worry, I will. I need money to do those things. I need money to serve the Lord. Oh, yeah? Well, I tell you, he died six weeks ago of a heart attack. And he was only 37. 
The prophetic word, I don't know where he got it from, but it was never truth. And Jesus does not call us to bring anything before we follow him. He says, bring yourself, yourself in repentance. When the disciples followed Christ in those days, they changed their lives. They, be, they were born again because they, they, they left everything. They began to see. Okay, when Jesus was training them, they weren't quite where they were meant to be yet, but Jesus trained them for three years, and after Christ left, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were empowered, and these guys, they gave their lives to Christ fully. They all died for the gospel. They considered everything else they'd been doing in the world futile. And from the time he called them, even before they received the power of the Holy Spirit, from the time he called them, they abandoned what they were doing and followed Christ. I'm not telling you to resign your job and follow Christ, but you've got to abandon the life, the carnal life you lived before knowing Christ and begin to follow Christ. He is the center. He must be the center of affections. Nothing else matters. Nobody else matters. But the easy believism that is being touted nowadays Whereby you just come into and say, I'm blessed and highly favored. They teach you a few slogans to say, and you've got stickers all over your car and all over your front door, and you think you're a Christian. No, you're not. If you're not living your life for Christ, you are not a Christian. Now, I'll tell you how you know you're living your life for Christ. You need to bear fruit. Now, I'm not going to have enough time to go through that in this particular lecture, but next time we talk, I'm going to talk about that. Because then you can really measure yourself whether you are a disciple of Christ or not. Because unless you're a disciple, you're wasting your time. Jesus does not have an, uh, an audience just, or, or spectators. No, he has workers. Workers being followers. He has disciples. People who follow in his footsteps. People who live for him and bear fruit. Because it says if we don't bear fruit, we're useless. So, you see, being born again is not that simple. It's not a slogan. It's not to do with the church you go to or the kind of church you belong to. It's to do with you. Are you bearing fruit for Christ? Are you walking in obedience to Christ? I think, I believe you've got another three or four of these teachings about Christianity to go so you can know exactly where you are. Because I'm very concerned. I'm a minister of the gospel. That's what I was chosen to do. That's what I was created to do. And it breaks my heart seeing people walking in disobedience, people walking in delusion, who think they're saved when they're not. My job is to preach the, the gospel of truth so that people can come to true saving faith so that you can escape the coming judgment, but rather receive instead eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to continue this issue. We'll find out a disciple you must follow. Christ not any man. Don't even follow me. What do anybody follow me for? I never encourage anyone to follow me. Not even the flock in my care. We all follow Christ. I just happen to, to lead them in the direction. That's all. That's all my job is. Point Christ. I point at Christ. I point at Christ always. Never at myself. Because there's nothing about me. I'm just another fallen man. Ransomed and redeemed by Christ himself. So I'll leave it there for today. I'm Sarah Jala Emmanuel. Until the next time, may the Lord richly bless you.